Welcome into the first edition of Cast Super Fan Sessions. And our first guest is Blair Bruns. Blair, where are you joining us from? I'm joining you tonight from Decatur, Illinois. Decatur, Illinois. So, Blair, I want to get started with just your background as a Illini fan. Where, how did you begin to fall in love with the Orange and Blue? It's interesting, I think. Like, unlike most people... I didn't have like parents that went to Illinois or grow up around it or like grow up going to games. It was kind of all self-initiated, I would say. I would say the first thing is I grew up in Lincoln playing all sorts of sports and I remember being in first grade and first high school game I went to and the pretty big deal in Lincoln and the first player stood out to me was Brian Cook and as soon as he committed to Illinois, I started being like, hey, what's going over going on over there in Champaign? And my aunt also worked at the university and so started going to games my first game was against iowa in second grade so that would have been the 98 99 season corey bradford is a freshman and since then after that like coming from a farm family you know illinois flagship university great place for agriculture it kind of just all clicked into place i have a brother that's six years older ended up choosing Illinois as a school when he went th- when he, that was time for him to decide where to go to college and it's kind of just game over after that absolutely and then I believe you went to the University of Illinois yeah I graduated from Illinois in 2013. that that's amazing so what was your college experience like in terms of uh fandom during that period of time it was a very college? I guess it was a very interesting time to be there because you had just come off. I, I came in in the fall of 09. So you just came off. You're not that far after the final four team or like D senior year in 06 and had a decent, I believe in that spring of 09, we lost to Western Kentucky in the tournament. It might've been 08 or 09, but you know, there's a lot of hope. I kind of was in the class with DJ and, Brandon Paul and Bertrand redshirted and Tyler Griffey got playing time. So grew with that class and you, my sophomore year, you had a lot of high expectations for the squad. That was back when North Carolina came to town for the big 10 ACC challenge, a freshman year, they had that big comeback in the same challenge against Clemson. And you had Jeremy Richman as a freshman and then you had all that go down. And then junior year you go with, had the experience of Myers Leonard crying on the bench against Nebraska. <laughs> and then senior year, John Gross came in and looked like the absolute savior to the program. Kind of fell apart, and you sneak in as a seven seed after being a top ten team coming out of Thanksgiving. And just, I think, the biggest surprise was how much emotions changed from the beginning of your Thanksgiving week when they started Maui to coming out of there. And just, I mean, those games weren't close. Right. I mean, the, the the weight of the world was on that team in Maui. And then you, uh, after Maui, you had that close game against Gonzaga. And then, boom. BP3 right. at 35. And you like, holy yeah. cow. Like Brandon Paul, National Player of the Year. And then that kind of all cooled That's off. Right. Um, I mean, Minnesota was good that year. Um, Brandon Paul had that That was charge. Trevor and Bakway, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, they were just yes. huge. <laughs> And so that was a basketball so is- And then you, of course, beat Indiana. I was not at that game. That's like the surprising thing about my experience at Illinois. I joined the crush my sophomore year and just 
I remember sitting there and Bruce Weber came in when it was like the crush practice night and they met the team and he started asking these questions about Illinois basketball history and I was the only one that would answer them. It was back when, you know, if you waited in line and I had to go raise all my own money. So I was a varsity and not an All-American. And I was like, I don't really want to wait to be in the fourth row on the sideline where I can't even see the game. So I ended up just sitting in the C-section. There was a lot of depressing... I, I just always think about losing to Wisconsin on a Sunday afternoon with people yelling, Bruce! <laughs> and then football, of course, you're not that far off. You had that own... you. My freshman year, you came after that underwhelming season following the Rose Bowl year. And the first six games of 2011 were absolutely fantastic. And Beckman era, it was very weird. A lot of NFL athletes on campus and big bodies that we just couldn't make it come together. So that was my experience, and I guess in a nutshell. I mean... You got you dealt with it all essentially the some ups and some extreme downs both on the gridiron and the basketball court. I mean it, it's the life that you lived as a U of I student is just crazy. Uh, what other eras have had? Yeah, it's interesting because you know I was a little bit sore with just two tournament experiences, and it ended with that Miami loss and you thought everybody would have it better. And then like, if you came in in 2013 and went to 17, I am sorry. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) You thought that was like darkness because we weren't achieving at the level that we had just seen been achieved, but it was just starting in this black hole. Absolutely. And then you had like Matik Vassell um, for Illinois, the start of Brad Underwood's career. And then just looking at where Illinois college students are now with possibly having two or three NCAA tournament appearances in a row. I mean, it's just it, it's just unreal what they have had uh, to deal with. Yeah, and then you can see it in enrollment. Yeah. I feel like applicants are through the roof. Yeah, you go back to Matik Vasile and you think about that, and it's like my comment to my fans always like, don't ever forget that Khalid Lewis started at point guard for us. And Alex Austin... <laughs> was looked at dead playing time. Like things were bad. They were. And now they are, now they're up, which helps out a lot with enrollment. And I mean, even though Brad, Brett Bielema's season hasn't gone the way that a lot of Felina fans expected it to go. He's still bringing some juice into this Alina football program that hasn't had a lot of it in a long, long time. It's relevancy at the end of the day. I mean, we weren't relevant, and it's even the kind of guy, like on the football side, it's when Lovey was here towards the end, or even Beckman, you're like Mason Monheim, good football player, but we were offering a lot of guys that, oh, we beat out Miami of Ohio for this guy, and it's Mac offers. Like most of the, yeah, it's three stars, but it's low three stars, and now we have high three stars where... You're beating Wisconsin out. You're beating an old miss, and hopefully you hold on to a guy like Stray Petty. But it's all competitive, and people that winning programs are wanting these guys. And you, have- I mean, you just you look at the size of the players that they are getting. I remember 
talking with Jeremy Warner on the show back in the day. And he was like, sometimes I, they walk off the bus at Rant Tool and they look like a bunch of Mac offensive linemen. At least Illinois has the size of a Big Ten team. Like, at least you walk off the bus and think, oh, these guys are Big Ten athletes. Have you seen Magnus Moeller? <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> a dude is a monster. And like Brandon Henderson just being a true freshman. Dude. Absolutely. Or now, like who, are, too. who are your favorite Illini athletes, basketball and in football? Who are your, who are like your two all time? number ones? Yep. All times Brian Cook on basketball side of things. Like to have that experience of childhood hero to McDonald's All American to going to my favorite school, which was kind of related to Brian, but like I think I would have ended up being just a diehard Illini fan no matter what. It was just in the sky and it was that time to choose. I mean, nobody else unless your parents are taking you games at four or five, you're not making that decision. I mean, most you go to junior high with guys that pick Oh, I'm a Duke fan or I'm a Kentucky fan. It's like cool. Like Yeah. Age seven, age eight. I mean, yeah, Brian. It was just cool and that just was also that like we're gonna see this week in that Bill Self period. Like that was a perfect gateway and also ruined expectations. And on the f- football side, I've thought about that back and forth and I think it's Richard. I mean, he is the prototype of what we've seen guys our age in the NFL like he is the NFL Illini guy that every media person goes to in this uh, day and age and that might change if Devin Witherspoon keeps doing what he's doing uh, for the Seattle Seahawks but when you think recent Illinois pros you think Richard Mendenhall especially with yeah you you think back to that Rose Bowl game and he was the only one on the field that looked like he belonged against a team full of athletes on USC. Yeah, he's the only one that could do anything. Like I remember that backflip into the end zone. That one still <laughs> It's like we got demolished. <laughs> well, at least we scored that seven, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My brother actually made that trip over there and had the time of his life, but we haven't. I hope we can go to a bowl game that's matters, which I guess in those terms, a bowl game that matters before we blink is going to be the playoff once it gets expanded. Yeah, I think Brett can lead this Illini program to at least a playoff appearance. Like, if I they're don't 16. Think that's out, yeah, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility because the Big Ten is and the SEC are both going to take up a bunch of these spots uh, later on after it, whenever it gets a little past the ACC and Big 12 even mattering because it's just all going to become the big 10 the sec later on so i think there's a possibility illinois can yeah and it, it, like illinois football hasn't had consistency or had like consistent from a coach that's really built things where you have guys going through the program and being their guys and we still have history's proven one out of 10 years something magical happens we have a one in the sugar bowl I guess oh one and oh eight feels so far apart, but I'll still put that as like one in ten years where something clicks and it was lightning can strike in Champagne. Yeah. I mean we're just a little off the curve right now from oh seven to where we're at now and 
I, I think Brett is the guy to bring that lightning uh, back because it all it only takes opportunity, and the opportunity is there for Illinois to be a successful program in terms of Illinois standards. Yeah, you just need some. I th- I think football goes to getting an elite athlete, or really has been a Richard type that looks like they can play in the SEC when it comes to skill position. I mean, offense and defensive line are one thing where you can have a guy sneak in and just completely outperform in the ranking. But when it comes to a running back or receiver, I think it's gets tough because to be a five-star receiver, you have to run a four-three-five or a four-four like Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, right. So let's transition to the hardwood. What are your expectations uh, for Brad Underwood this year? Man, I've been thinking about this since I went to that exhibition game Friday night. And I've kind of been like trying to create this self-awareness of am I dousing myself in the Kool-Aid? Like, do I always just like think that anything's possible? But it's so hard not to just love them. They looked like a cohesive unit. It didn't seem like anybody wanted to play for the my my one concern, and I was talking about this today, was on a culture standpoint. I thought that there was one player, and I don't. We haven't seen enough, but if there's one player that's like eh, he really likes to have the ball in his hands, and that's Gibbs Lawhorn. Like, are you going to accept that some nights you're going to be? I mean, some nights he's probably going to go off, but also you're 18, and when you look at Coleman, Terrence, Quincy, Damask, Luke, Justin Hartman. They're grown ass men. Like these are yeah, I mean twenty three year old. I, I mean Gibbs Lawhorn might be what the ninth or tenth guy off the bench right now. I mean he has the talent to be number seven off the bench right now, um, but he is the number 10 in the rotation. So that tells you where Illinois basketball is at as a program. When you have guys like uh, sincere Harris, uh, possibly ahead of him, at least start the season off. And then Luke Goody, Marcus Domask. I mean, the list goes on of guys who can take control of the ball. And that's not even mentioning the starter Ty Rogers. So, I mean, the fact that, the fact that he can sit and if he's okay with sitting is going to be another thing. We'll talk about that in the off season. But I feel like right now you don't really need these youth youth guys. And Monty Hansberry is the same story. No, and I think I was thinking about Imani today too. And it's like the last few years, whether you had Kofi starting at the five or like kind of the Coleman-Dane combo you had, like your next guy in line after, say, it was Coleman-Kofi, you're like, say your third string big that we've had in the past. It's been Oh, a Jermaine Hamlin is in that role. Yep. Or Lieb. Or BBV. You have a top 60 guy coming off the bench that just looks like an absolute junkyard dog. Maryland player of the year. I would not want to be Quincy. I mean, Quincy Gary is a really good player, but Amani is, in like the bar stool terms, a guy that shows up with his lunch pail and goes to work every day, you know? Yeah, I mean... 
Quincy is going to have to score because Amani is going to possibly outwork Quincy in practice every single day. So if Quincy wants to stay on the court, he's going to have to score the basketball and do something that maybe Amani's not ready to do uh, to start out in his freshman year. But I love this the conversation that we're having about a line of basketball. I mean, it's just unreal to think of where we've started with Brad Underwood versus where we're at now and really getting to the minutia of a line of basketball is something completely new uh, that a line of fans need to just keep relishing in. I fully agree. Like you come into preseason and people are talking about you and you're fully relevant. And that was not the case. I went to plenty in the middle of the last decade, went to plenty of basketball games. And I know that like you were there and some others and we'd go sit at mid court, no matter where our seats were assigned because we could. Yeah. there. I was at a Minnesota-Illinois game. Yes, the weather was really piss poor that day, but they legitimately told every C-section person to move as for, far forward as they possibly could after the eight-minute timeout. I mean, that's just... It was bad. Yeah, that's, yeah it was bad. We, we said now, it earlier, but... And now on day one of individual ticket sales, you sold out three games, Marquette, Iowa, and Indiana. That's the level of program that you are at, that tickets are making it past day one. And you'll have to get them off the, off the side market if you want to go. So that's just true incredible sell growth. Yes, absolutely. Like you, don't, you don't see an empty seat in there. Maybe one or two up in the nosebleeds. But I don't know. You said expectations. I don't. There's some issues and there's things like we talked about Quincy and I can't even judge Quincy because it's Justin and Quincy are guys that I don't have a feel for yet. Like I know that Brad brought them in and if you're in Quincy's shoes as a fifth year senior and you're Justin Harmon that comes and averages 15 points a game for Utah Valley. Like if you're coming to Illinois with the level of talent we have, I'm trusting with what Brad just went through with the team dynamic last year, I'm trusting that we're all here to win. Yeah. And I mean, these guys that he brought in Domask and Justin Harmon, they come from smaller programs and I feel like that's going to be beneficial because they were the built-in leaders of Southern Illinois and where Justin Harmon came from. So I feel like they're coming in from a different perspective where Matthew Meyer came in and was just trying to be the lead dog scorer. Uh, because he never was a Baylor. So I, I think the... And these dudes aren't playing avid, in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Meyer... It's like, oh, I got this draft stock. It'll be what... He's like, it'll be what it'll be. If you, the guys think that they can yeah. come work hard or... And they work hard in the gym. It's, it's Stats say otherwise, he says. I just... I had enough of that... Of that train. Uh, I, I mean... Matthew Mayer literally only showed up during the NBA um, draft combine. That's all that he was there for. And now I don't even know where he's at. I haven't heard if he signed overseas or anything right now. I mean, he just got cut from the Rockets. Yeah, that's true. So I wonder if he's just drinking monster energy drinks and playing (laughs) video games now. I'm, I'm guessing he's guaranteed to get locked up overseas somewhere, but I don't know. Is it, the dude could play. It's just, did he want to show up every day? I, it was just frustrating. That whole, like, I think 
people had had enough by the end of it. I'm sure Brad did too. But back to the expectation question. I I don't know. You Ty Rogers isn't a third at point guard, like to score. But I'm not sure. Like Ty's in the in the ball game because you want Ty on the floor. I think more than him being point guard. Like it's gonna get to somebody else, like Damask or Coleman or Terrence. There's enough going on there to initiate the offense. Or if Ty tries to go play booty ball, that I just loved that Brad. I think he shocked a lot of people. I don't think that many people at all were thinking a potential starting lineup that he was going to. I think people in their heads were just like, it's going to be Luke or it's going to be the mask. And then he put them both out there and everybody's like, I kind of think this is really sexy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I look at this Illinois offense and I know they didn't bring in the shooters that a lot of Illini fans expected, myself included. But then the more I think of it, Last year's shooting woes happened a lot because you had guys like Coleman Hawkins and Matthew Meyer just and Terrence Shannon just jacking up threes just to try to get some sort of offense going because Skycaller couldn't handle that point guard position. I think the passing on this team is going to lead to so many open three-pointers that it's going to help the shooting percentage organically uh, just from that. So that's kind of why I'm excited to just watch the ball movement. Like watching that Ottawa game, I know it's against Ottawa, but the passing was just stellar, and I was so excited to see that. And Damask impacted that tremendously. He was the guy that oh, yeah. said, make the extra pass and just kind of like get the high five or the approval from his teammate that I'm here. Like, I don't really care about myself. I'm here to play on the big stage, no matter what it takes. That's what I get from him. I know that you watched a lot more Carbondale basketball last year, but yeah. I just... See, I couldn't really get the full Marcus Damask experience because... He was getting doubled every time in every Missouri Valley game. And the fact that he's going to be in single coverage and lower on the scouting report uh, for Big Ten teams in the non-conference, I think that's going to be so helpful for him to just be able to see the floor better than what he was able to do for Southern Illinois. And he also had to deal with a black hole with Lance Jones, who was going to Purdue. He would jack up any three-point shot that he could possibly find last year. So... Now he's in a system where it's suitable for his strengths and his weaknesses. So I think he's going to be in for a big, big year for Illinois, whether it's in the scoring realm or just in the assists. He's going, he's going to fill up stat sheets, I think. Get 12 it would not surprise. It would not surprise me if one of these lower non-conference games, he scores a double-double or something like that. Yeah. He's- so let's... Let's go through Brad Underwood as a whole. What grade do you give Brad Underwood for what he's done starting in Illinois to his present day? I mean, let's look. His main job was to bring us back to where we're playing it, like where people cared again. And it was at a level that everybody felt. Now everybody's adjusted these expectations of like, why haven't we made a sweet 16? It's like, I think that that's valid. I also don't think we're that far removed from where things were or like where selection Sunday absolutely sucked. Mm -hmm. And like when Josh came on in this press conference, like we're not careful. That'll be 30 years from now. I think we're very close. I hate the fact of like, so you have two teams that really appeal to me 
that should have done well in the tournament. And that's, I think that 21-22 had plenty of issues and they're very tired. I don't see where that was going to go like extremely well, but you know, 1920, they're heating up right at the perfect time. And that team was gelling, you know, Feliz in 2021. And then you have your best team in a decade or 15 years. And one you're playing is a one seed against a team. That's like a top 15 Kim Palm team. And that also you're playing in your second gym in yeah. the tournament. And it, that never would happen if it wasn't for COVID. I'm not trying to give excuses. I just think that those things add to the randomness of the tournament. I don't buy in. Like I hate how people are trying to be like, oh, it's just like there's so much luck that goes in the tournament. No, go win games. Like do not water down the tournament because the tournament championship, the banners don't matter. Conference, conference championships and Final Fours. That's how you're measured, but I don't care how many conference championships you have unless you get a Final Four and make a run every once in a while, and that's kind of the pain that we're dealing with. We're in a fortunate position to get pain. Um, I think I'm kind of in between. I think it's it's hard for me not to give him an A minus. Like I think it's in the A level of everything he's rebuilt and what that expectation has created. But is there work, the expectation of him to be able to do better? Yeah, I just don't think you could go tell me in 26, 2017, March of 17, if you told me everything, where we'd be in October of 23. And I don't think I could give that a B or a B plus. I think that that's everything we could have all wanted. Yeah, I mean, it is battling minutia is like, oh, should he have gotten a shooter here in this year? Should he have got uh, a better center uh, in years past? Like that's kind of where we're at as a program. And that's kind of all that we really asked of Brad Underwood. And now the expectations have changed, like you said, but we'll obviously never know what the bite of the apple would have looked like in 19 and 20 due to the COVID year. Uh, I think that year could have been rather special with, uh, Io DeSumo and, and Kofi and, and all of that uh, tied together, but we never really got that opportunity to see what that could have looked like. So that's kind of upsetting because, I mean, that last game of the year when Kofi made that big block on Luca Garza, I mean, my gosh, like just unreal situation. Like uh, you're thinking second weekend, you're thinking Final Four. That's the kind of caliber that this team had. And now you look at this team and you're like, I wouldn't be surprised if this team made it to an elite eight. I wouldn't be surprised if this team made it to a sweet 16, but on the other end, I wouldn't be surprised if this team lost in the round of 64, if uh, the right shooting team came about in, in the NCAA tournament. Yes. I want to see final fours, but still it, the fact that we're just kind of talking about the minor details and program building is it, just great to see. Um, I do think Brad Underwood has a little bit of a negative. I believe he adjusts a little bit too much based on what kind of beat him the year before. Like he loves booty ball now with Ty Rogers because he lost to Penn State twice. Um, <laughs> he loved like I, I know exactly where you're going. He loved like randomness. He loved the basketball long and athletic because we lost to Houston, right? Like yes, and then now like it's just like he's like oh we lost to them so if we do that then we're gonna be back so he has not brought in a camp crutwick uh kind of type thank god (laughs) 
But um, but yeah, he does mold himself to kind of what he loses to, and it kind of bites him a little bit um, in the fu- in future rounds of NCAA tournaments. So hopefully um, that can kind of steady Eddie with Ty Rogers being here uh, multiple years. But he, he's willing to adjust to. Yeah. I, I don't think that he is a strong in-game adjuster by any means. Um, but you know when he bailed on the no was he all switching defense last year like we switched everything and he he, he's there enough to be like okay this is a problem this isn't working and i'm not going to be stubborn i do love like he's gone full throttle with nil he's embraced the portal he's not stuck in his ways when everybody else is trying to go into something that's going to be the way the future he's been positive about it and knows where change is happening and how to use it to his advantage and people are like, oh, like last year with the portal and you have Meyer and it doesn't work out. And it's just trial and error. He's trying to figure out how he incorporates pieces. I I think it should always be, what's the word I'm looking for? It can't be, it's like having Terrence, Terrence and Coleman. Like you need complementing pieces. Your guys that are dependent on need to be your culture guys that you're homegrown. And I think, I mean, it's very weird because I never thought we'd see a Terrence in year two that's really bought into Illinois basketball. But now it's like, okay, I'm going to remember Terrence more so as an Illini with the second year. And then you I mean, pieces it, like Harmon and Damask. And, I mean, the fact that he's bought into this, even though he was seconds away from committing to Michigan, is just amazing to see that transition of his mindset because he knows if he can buy in then that's going to help his nba draft stock even more by having a successful season at illinois i think he might have a monster year that charge rule change is going to work in his benefit so much i I think he's first team all big 10 at the end of the year I, i think that's the kind of talent that he has maybe bigger First uh, MVP of the league, essentially. <laughs> I mean, I think you got to. Uh, I don't. I mean, I definitely. Uh, that's hard for me to even put into consideration when Zach Eady's in this league. <laughs> yeah, and he gets every single call from every referee. So that's very true. Too. Um, yeah, he's a good so, ball player, uh, but don't get me started. Yes, um, but yeah, Terrence Shannon has firmly placed himself in at least the third place second place conversation begin the year and that can only rise with his talent level to end the season if he goes right if that mid-range game's improved as much as they say like he's just i mean it's just scary watching him out there it's just he's a force so what player aren't people talking about enough right now on this illinois basketball team That's tough. I'm just kind of thinking about this. I mean, we talked about Amani earlier. I think having that depth down low, if there is foul trouble or you need somebody to come in that's tough and that's skilled. Because I think back at like the guys that were the third big in the rotation. Even if they grabbed a board, they were so freaking hesitant to even shoot a wide open layup. What was it? BBV against Purdue at home when we played on Martin Luther mm-hmm. King day. And was that in, tw- that was in 22. 
And he was wide open underneath the hoop and kicks it out. I mean, it worked out, but we didn't have just guys like, just put the ball back up. Like, have the confidence to go be a dog. I think Imani, um, I always think Luke, people just think that Luke's going to get 10 minutes a game. And, like, you read message boards, even last year. Like, Luke's just not going to play or he can't play. It's like, you need Luke's of the world. And I put Luke in. I think Damask is a little more dynamic, but I think they're both in the same category. Yes, they're white, they're 6'7", and they're good shooters. Like, they're not going to be overly athletic, but they knock I mean, down. How many, how many guys of that kind of style have just murdered Illinois in years past? <laughs> like, the answer's a lot. Yeah, and you need whether them. it be Wisconsin, whether it be Michigan, like Nick Stauskas uh, kind of level. I know he's way more athletic than Luke and Marcus. Uh, but, I mean, you need guys that can. Who's the Penn State guy on the tip of my tongue? He, oh, uh, I don't know why I can't think of this right now. but I mean, that's what Luke can bring, especially with Booty Ball and with Ty Rogers Funk. breaking the defense down. Funk, yes. With with Ty Rogers breaking the defense down, you're going to need a Luke Goody to hit that open shot. And he has had a full off season. He's no longer dealing with that injury anymore. I think that played a huge factor last year. So I think this year is going to be even better for him. Absolutely. And he's, I mean, when you think back to even guys that have played well in the tournament, he's knocked down. Like we've been in three games in the tournament since He's been on the team, but he always has shown up and knocked down shots and we've needed them on the biggest stage. Yeah. And he gets on the he floor has. and he rebounds and he seems he seems like a guy that everybody loves. He can be this year's Demir Kripalia. <laughs> they can shoot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yes, I mean, this team has all the tools to make a deep run and I'm looking forward to it. I think Brad Underwood um, is doing all the right things. It's just getting over that hump, which I think he can and he will. It's just, it could be like Tony Bennett at Virginia. I mean, that took him a long time to finally get over that hump. And when he did, it, it broke through in a big way. I Free throw shooting keeps me up at night. <laughs> Yes, so hopefully they learn a little bit about that non-conference play, especially against these uh, great opponents they have. I mean, the three ranked opponents and then Mizzou. I mean, that's a tough non-conference team. No, non-conference team. So free throw shooting will be figured out in those games. Let's go back to that last question about who's not being talked about enough. I've thought about this and not thought about him and had like two full conversations in the past two days. Dane Danger. Mm-hmm. He's running the floor better. He's he's faster. He's way more athletic. I mean, the body transformation of Adam Fletcher, it's always talked about like guys becoming skinny and getting muscular. I mean, I've never seen like a guy lose that much like quote unquote baby weight and turn into a more endurance level player. I mean, I think Fletch might have his I think this might be his best case ever. And With I've Bane. seen the IO yeah, and I've seen I would assume his muscle growth, but this feels a little different in terms of getting a guy in like extremely great shape compared to where he was. I'm with you. He the thing about Dane is he's just an 
it's such a switch from say Coleman at the five to Dane. We don't have another piece yeah. like Dane that has just like excellent freaking footwork in the paint. He plays old the, school. Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't expect to think that that's who I would think nobody's talking about, but it, in my actual conversations, it just keeps coming up where everybody's forgetting oh. about, like nobody's excited about it. I don't know. I mean, Dane has had some clunkers of games, but there have been some games where he has single-handedly brought Illinois back from the depths. I mean, last year we got to remember that there was a lot of comebacks in this in this past season. And Dane was the catalyst in some of those comebacks that Illinois made. So I am looking forward to seeing him in in this new refined role of his and the pieces around him and where he can be ultra successful in using his passing ability and that footwork. And just being more comfortable. I mean, he might be. Yep. Was he technically? Is this, this is his fourth year in college. Yeah, I feel he was at Baylor for one, I believe. Like one in, yeah, one in the. And then now he gets the he COVID started year as well. that sophomore school year and then transferred over, and then played yeah. last year. So last year was really his first year playing in a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, I think we're all just a little scared to be bold because we've been confident preseason last year, and we don't want to be like, oh, we have these crazy high hopes. But if you go to somebody's house and sit in their basement, in the safety from non-Illini fans, I think we're all really, really excited. Absolutely. And there's going to be opportunities for Illinois to get punched in the face, but also there's going to be opportunities for Illinois to punch back. I mean, that FAU game is going to be rather fascinating. The Tennessee game is going to be such a physical game. And you see the havoc that, shock as smart can have for Marquette. I mean, the different styles of play, I feel like Illinois has the pieces to play that chess match in non-conference play. What do you think about Sunday? Uh, Sunday is going to be a great opportunity to see Illinois against a top elite talent. I I don't know what the rotations are going to look like in this game because I'm sure Bill Self doesn't want to give too much away on film, and I'm sure Brad Underwood doesn't want to do the same. But I'm just excited to see the different lineup meshings uh, take place for Illinois and how they go up against these elite talents like Kansas has. So that's kind of where I'm looking at this game is just seeing like athletically how Illinois manages against a team like Kansas. It's not so much about the X's and O's in that game. It's really interesting to me because it is on BTN. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter, but people aren't going to forget it. If Illinois wins right. by 15, people like it will build on hype, not just from our own fan base. Like the AP poll, hypothetically, if Illinois wins by 15, how artificial does that add to Illinois' ranking in, after week one? Is it going to be like 25 to like 19 because Illinois beat Kansas in the exhibition? I think it's the going to play it. I think it plays an impact. How does it not? How do you not like right. on such a limited on all these teams? You have such a limited sample size, and, and it's televised too. I mean, that's so what I mean. The, it's on big, these, yeah, 
these AP writers are going to be able to watch it and have it's going to be accessible. It's not going to be on FightingLineEye.com where you got to pay eight ninety nine to watch it or something like that. So I think it could play a factor both positively and negatively. So we might end week one with being 2-0, and beating Eastern Illinois, and we still might not be ranked after that if we get blasted by Kansas in this exhibition. See, I don't – yeah. I mean, we're 25th going in, right? Yep. I don't know if they drop us. I'm not – I think it's interesting, though. Sunday at 5. I don't know what the 2.30 I mean, the 3.30 slate looks like for the NFL, but I'm glad the Eagles are playing at noon at least. So I can go directly from Eagles to Illinois exhibition and not miss a beat. Um, So I'm not making any tough decisions there. So pretty happy about that. Eagles off to a pretty good start. Absolutely. They are Blair. I want to thank you for joining the first ever edition of super fan sessions. Part of the Illini cast, part of the big banter podcast network. Blair, have a great rest of your night, and uh, thank you for joining me, and go Illini. Go Illini, ILL. Take care. Thanks, AB. No problem.